episode of James Bond and Friends. James Bond is on vacation in the tropics this week, so they've left me, Paul Atkinson, from MI6HQ in charge, and I'm joined joined this week by Bill Koenig, David Lee, Ben Williams, and James Page. Could you introduce yourselves, please? Uh, I'm Bill Koenig, and I'm with the Spy Command, um, and I also have a website called the Bond 25 Timeline, which I've now had to kick into part two because it's gone on so long. So part two is principal photography and currently working on that. And I am David Lee. I'm part-time puppy wrangler, a full-time Bond fan, and I run the website, The James Bond Dossier. Um, hi, I'm Ben Williams. I write for mi6hq.com and the magazine MI6 Confidential. Um, and I am also a lifelong Bond fan. Um, and very good at not doing my homework. Hi, I'm James Page, co-founder of MI6 and MI6 Confidential Magazine. And in my spare time, I compare grey t-shirts. <laughs> good hobby. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, we sent you a little bit of homework that Ben alluded to the fact that we haven't done. So wish us luck on that front. But what we wanted to do today was make margarita bonds and put everything in a blender, or at least two films in a blender, and come out with something that we would like. So these could be films that potentially we're not super keen on, but the elements we recognize. Um, you know, it might be music, it might be the portrayal of Bond, it might be the Bond girls, it might be some of the stunts. Um, have merit and put together with something else, potentially something even that we don't like. Um, put them together and find something that's, you know, a creative mix that we'd be happy to sit down and watch. Or it could be your two favorites thrown together. Um, or it could just be simply a title that sounds funny or amusing to you. So as as ever, we're trying to impose some structure on this mayhem. So um, wish us luck. And who wants to take us away with a good idea? I, I did think about this. I did do my homework. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know I don't know if I actually earn anything for that, but uh, I'll go with it anyway. And uh, basically, what I wanted to do was uh, combine elements of Die Another Day with elements of Skyfall, which... Uh, both have got some good points to them. Um, I mean, Die Another Day gets a lot of criticism, but actually uh, we've talked about this before that um, a lot of the first half is pretty good. It's the second half which uh, really kind of destroys it. So I was thinking um, basically pre-titles is Skyfall. Um, you get the title. I don't know. I don't know which which. Uh, one you choose probably go with for the Skyfall one, um, and then <laughs> oh, <laughs> so fun. I'm, just, I'm just imagining like just uh, the, the theme the why you picked that over like the Adele uh, opening uh, rather than the Madonna one. I just I can't <laughs> understand why you why you chose that. Yeah, I'm not a fan of either of those actually. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, Go for go for the Skyfall uh, pre-titles. Uh, don't know. Uh, we'll uh, do some kind of weird uh, mix of the the two for the title sequence, and then um, we head into Die Another Day territory, and um, we'll run with that uh, until uh, um, Bond Bond does the whole Hong Kong. Uh, stuff he escapes from MI6, lands in Hong Kong, um, and I reckon after that he lands in the casino in uh, Macau, and uh, uh, we continue 
uh, continue with uh, Skyfall there for a bit. Is it, David, to who's, who, is, uh, who is your bond in this? Have we got Pierce or, or have we got Daniel? Um, well, w- w- that hasn't quite been decided, oh. but uh, with the kind of digital effects you can do, uh, it, can be, it can be either. Either, Either one. one, yeah. <laughs> or, or both. Blend them together. <laughs> Indeed. Sean Connery, in fact. We'll do Sean Connery. Given Brosnan's height. Yeah. And, uh, and, but maybe um, um, Craig's physique. Can we not have Brosnan's beer belly from Evelyn? Uh, just sort of <laughs> digit- digitally mapped onto Craig's, Craig's torso, because uh, I think that would work really well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so what, what do you think of that idea? I think there's some promise there, actually, David. It's actually now, in fact, as you explained it, I, did, I was reminded of my own comment about the Brosnan films a couple installments ago where, where there's like good chunks of all of them. So like you could come up with a, like a really great James Bond movie kind of taking segments of the four Brosnan films, yeah. taking the best into one. I, I, ha- I can't, I haven't mapped it out yeah. specifically. Yeah. I mean, with, but, with, with, with Die Another Day, you just ditch the second half of the film. As soon as, as, soon as he goes and meets Q, uh, you just lose all that, and then uh, I reckon that you jump into Skyfall and he, in London, so that fits. And then he goes up to Scotland. You you cut all the boring middle section out of Skyfall as well. Can I can I just mention that uh, this reminds me very much of a thread that was uh, on on the MI6 forums uh, called "Die Another Edit," um, <laughs> where where basically uh, people wrote in and said which bits had cut out of "Die Another Day" in order to make it a good film. Um, and I, 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 at that point, said uh, just all of Jinx would, would have made it a, a much better film. And then uh, end basically where at the clinic where just kills Zhao, that's the end of it. And then the credits roll. Don't have any Iceland. Don't have any, uh, don't have any dream machine. Don't have any of that stuff. Uh, it's a shorter film, but it works. <laughs> well... Well, actually, I'm thinking, as you explained that, I was thinking you could have the first half of Die Another Day, snip out Jinx, and then maybe the second half of uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, we have to kind of smooth smooth over the differences somewhat in the script. but um, Yeah, I think we'd need, to, we'd need to get in Purvis and Wade to do a bit of a rewrite to, to thread it a bit better, but uh, it, it can be done. No, we would, no, we would not. <laughs> uh, we could get... <laughs> I think I'll get Michael G. Wilson to write that, that threading. He's very good at that. I, that's, I, I, I'm not actually, that's not even sarcasm. I think he did, um, you know, uh, I think he's very good at tying um, stories together. So um, it's my two pence. Um, well, he had, well, he had experience with Four Your Eyes Only, where he and Maybaum stitched together two short stories. And That's, ex- that's exactly what I was, uh, that, that I was thinking. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think it's um, I think it's a very clever piece of uh, tying those two, two two stories together, and even inserting a little bit of uh, "Live and Let Die" in there as well. Um, right. Very, very well put together. Okay, so I'm going to spitball one off the top of my head that just came to me, and David's not going to like it because I'm going to be talking about the man with the golden gun. <laughs> I feel like it needs some reform. It feels it feels a bit flat. It feels a bit tired. It's the one that people overlook a lot, and that's partly because you know, as you Ben mentioned just just the other just the other week, um, we're not super fans of uh, 
bondless pre-title sequences and so that's one of its mm. sort of one of its struggles yeah, get, gets gets off to a real belter doesn't it not having the title character in the film <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, the thing about the pre-title is it's um if you had david lynch direct a bond film it's kind of that's what it would be like yeah <laughs> 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 I'm not. I'm not suggesting that he should. <laughs> it was so I've just. I've just mentally image uh, image of that. It's brilliant. Um, sorry, I was just going to say, guys, if you ever thought about, uh, you know, in the pre-titles, just going talking about pre-title sequences, and you know, they're kind of always like the the end of another adventure. Right. Um, I, I rather than kind of this like we do this a lot of time, but like rather than kind of do the mashup of two different films, I quite like to know what the rest of that adventure was. What that led them? You want to see how Connery got into his um, into his uh, wetsuit with the with the tuxedo underneath, right? You want to see the costume lady pulling him in. <laughs> to, to continue a bad taste, long running joke. That's it's the all the ends of the Michael G. Wilson films that don't get made. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, just a moment ago, we were talking about sti stitching together stuff. So, like, somebody with a major Bond connection, of course, was Tom Mankiewicz. And in the very first Superman movie with Christopher Reeve, that's what he did. He had this weird title, creative consultant or something like that. Mm. What he was doing, he was taking together very serious drafts from Mario Puzo and, like, these campy drafts. And like in one of the campy drafts, Superman's look looking for Lex Luthor and he encounters Telly Savalas, who loves you, baby. I mean, it was that kind of level of humor. And so Mankiewicz kind of like put together a shooting script, taking these very <laughs> drastic changes in tone. So it actually can be done. I mean, mm. when we were talking about stitching together stuff, I suddenly like, you know, while you guys are chatting, I suddenly remembered that. And but the writer's guild did not like the way Mankiewicz was credited. He wasn't credited as a screenwriter. And and apparently, basically, they <laughs> they came up with a rule basically to make sure that kind of thing never happened again. But but Mankiewicz actually did have experience with that on the actually the first two Superman movies. Uh, when you say not not happened again, do you mean that, that they that they wouldn't ever miss a screen credit again or that that, that kind of uh, right? They, they, they would not they would not have a credit like creative consultant, Tom Mankiewicz. That, uh, it, it was, right. In fact, it was informally... It would be a, it would be a writing. Right. It was informally known as yeah. the Mankiewicz rule, apparently. Um, right. Anyway, cool. but that, that's uh, obvious, obviously that's an aside, but it is a you know, major uh, Bond connection. I have to say, mm. I didn't even know he was involved with the Superman movies. First two. Yeah. Okay. You learn something every, every time you come on this podcast. Yeah. Well, I do anyway. I'll draft him in to uh, rewrite The Man with the Golden Gun and smash it up with one of the Brosnan films, which has got a little bit too much pace and a little bit too much adventure. Oh, you're going to have to get a Ouija board to do that, to uh, contact Tom. Were you, were you thinking of Tomorrow Never Dies, Paul? Yeah, I was. I was wondering if I could take two films that have that have been uh, maligned in the past and put them together and create something that's got, you know... That that moves at a fair clip, that has interesting locations, that makes use of you know some of the things that Bond's famous for, you know, gadgets and vehicles and those sort of things, but has a a, a villain that is an, is recognised but not too campy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to borrow Christopher Lee there. I'm going to see if we can give Christopher Lee some uh, 
so a little bit of you know making murders money a bit more. Um, There's nothing hmm. camp, nothing camp about his portrayal of Scaramanga whatsoever. No, but but Jonathan Price and <laughs> in the other one. Do you think he hammed it, hammed it up a bit? When Jonathan Price does that, uh, hands, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he went? Hmm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go full, full ham on this. Yeah, that's an animated gift that the internet has been missing. So I'm gonna put that right mm. by the time we publish this podcast. <laughs> Great stuff. Good. So you guys have been talking about two. I mean, Paul, you're you're like two like maligned films put together. So I, when I put this question together, I thought about yeah, what are two films on the ends of the spectrum, right, in terms of fan appreciation or lack of? And um, you know, Mark's not on the podcast, so I'm going to echo his sentiments to defending a view to a kill. But one of mine is a view to a kill because I think generally people don't like it because it's too lightweight and a bit camp. And License to Kill. On the other end, so, mm. so hear me out about this because I think if you blended the two together, you'd get the perfect middle ground um, with some tweaks. So I'd I'd lose the whole Paula character and go back to the original plan, which was to have a returning female um, be the link between this film and the next film. Um, so have have a returning Bond girl uh, rather than a new part as the thing that kicks the adventure off. Um, I would keep License to Kill's Latina villain's girlfriend as the hook that gets, you know, turned by Bond as part of the plot. Uh, Felix would still be in the first act. Keep that from that one. We'd see Bond in tropical locations. Um, I'd get rid of the revenge plot and keep A View to Kill's Silicon Valley tech villain. Um, Still have a little bit of room for Grace Jones. And it would really be centered around Bond being at the end of his career and having to use his wits and connections versus just hitting everybody. I'm I'm loving this, James. I'm, I would totally watch this. I would call it Bun Twenty Five. Do you get the Beach Boys cover? That's not a Beach Boys cover. With my view of View to a Kill, it really only needs a few snips, really, and and that being at the top of the list, because I remember seeing the movie uh, in the theater the first time. And the skiing scenes, I thought, oh, this is, you know, the berry music. I thought, oh, this, this, this is like really good. And then you have that song like, oh, and it, it, I was just totally deflated. And then they build it back. It's up. a bit like the man with the golden gun whistle, isn't it? Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, very similar. I just, I would like to see um, A View to a Kill, but keep, keep the Roger Moore swearing outtakes <laughs> right. in them. <laughs> that's one of my that's one of my oh, favorite my back oh, no he, he says oh fuck him what does he know it's, it's a it's one of my favorite little bits I just like don't one wish scene I, I like in that movie a view to a kill is when you know roger moore finds patrick mcnee dead and you know puts zorin say you amuse me mr bond and he says it wasn't meant to be and it's like yeah he sounds like really serious there and you know, and and mm. he was able to get out of that fix, you know, through his wits. Um, but I mean, there were other things. I mean, Tanya Roberts kind of deflates things in the second <laughs> James, James, um, James, James. Oh, there's this, this blimp coming up behind. <laughs> this noisy blimp coming behind me, but I don't notice it. But uh, but I mean, there are. But I think there are some things that are really good. I mean, I I know that. Um, Oh, the actor. The actor. Intuitive yeah, yes. 
Well, you know, and that's like an inside joke, you know, to um, the deer hunter, you know, because he like points the gun at his head. Mm. And of course, he's famous for the deer hunter, you know, the Russian roulette scenes. I've seen the, I've seen the script. It's like that, you know, that is not specified as a, you know, in the stage directions. That's something the actor did. Oh, I, th- I think that's, I have to say, I mean, uh, yes, A View to a Kill has its detractors. Um, and I can, I can, I can see why. I, I personally find it one of, it's one of my favorite Bond films, honestly. Um, but I think it's, it's vastly improved yeah. by the casting of Walker, who just, it's, it's just, fab- it's just fabulous. Um, and I, I, I get, I get upset when people kind of uh, give it, give it a, a bad rep because it's, uh, he's a wonderful and, and I, villain. When I make fun of it, I make fun of it. In a sort of admiring way. So there's a line about how Zorin speaks five languages, and my joke is, and he speaks them all in a Brooklyn accent. <laughs> and, and like one of my favorite lines, and it's just, I just find it funny, you know, it, toward the end, more, more power. More, more power. More power. I love that line. It's, but it's not a you know, European villain, but like, okay. So, James, would you, um, would you select, uh, Davi, you're walking for for your mashup. Uh, Rami Malek. <laughs> I mean, it was a bit of a, it, you know, I set that one up a little bit. But I mean, if you look at what we know about Bond 25 and the feel of it, and I'm getting a, I'm getting a view to a kill and a license to kill kind of vibe from did this you, so far. Did you basically set this whole question up just so that you could you could come no, to that conclusion. No, I actually got no. No, I got thinking about it. Is like two films at the other end of the spectrum that would kind of where would it meet in the middle? And then I was like, oh, oh, and I was like going through the elements. I was like, oh, this looks, this looks a lot like what we're going to be getting. Yeah, the, the rumor of Grace Jones somehow being in the film and her being on Twitter with a picture of Jamaica uh, the other day, it's just, it's just, it was just too tempting oh. not to put that together. <laughs> We don't start rumors here. We just make no. We just jokes. predict things, and then they come true. That seems to be what <laughs> my. So um, I, I didn't do my homework as I, I said, and um, just calling back to what Paul said that some people find their their titles amusing. Um, I thought my titles were quite amusing. Thank you very much, Paul. I thought they were funny, but if you don't like them, then that's your own problem. I think live and let diamonds. Live and let diamonds. That's great. Who wouldn't want to see Live and Let Diamonds? Tell me what the plot synopsis is. Um, something about <laughs> diamonds. And... <laughs> um, spoiler in the title because James Bond loves. There'll be there'll be Yafet Koto will be definitely be the villain in that. Um, Everybody who touches those just... diamonds tends to die twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, who does the theme song though? Oh, um, <laughs> Live and Let Diamonds. <laughs> Composed by... Uh, Paul McCartney and Wing and Shirley Bassey. They wouldn't be able to get a studio for the, for that those two egos. You know, they'd have to record it outside. But... <laughs> <laughs> did, we, did we not like the living live twice? <laughs> I thought it was great. And licensed to a view to a kill. <laughs> well, I took, I took I, that one already. I, yeah. I'm I'm amusing myself with this, so you know, yeah, no, that is what yours yours would be called, James. So that's license to review to a kill. That's what that's the title I gave. Register the dot com just in case Eon <laughs> are, are doing what I think they're doing. <laughs> Listening to this, and- we have to come up with a title right now. <laughs> <laughs>
We have theater releases. We must come up with a deadline now when we leave this feeding. Well, it's, it's better than Golden Gold anyway. Put <laughs> <laughs> one of the other mashups. Remember the Golden Gold or Eyefinger? Is another one. But anyway, I maintain that Eyefinger is set in, a, in an early learning center and it involves Simon Pegg <laughs> as a doctor. People <laughs> stop poking themselves in the eye. I mean, the other, the other popular, possibly. Um, uh, popular revisionist method we could go to, and obviously this is not going to please Bill, but Bill can maybe dig me out of this pit that I'm digging for myself, is doing something about the um, the, the amazing photography in Thunderball that goes on too long. Um, mm. What um, could we smash together with um, with Thunderball to, to add a little bit more? Quantum of Solace. <laughs> Quantum of Solace and Thunderball. There you go. Edited by the Quantum Solace editors. That is an amazing film school project <laughs> for somebody. I, I remember. I remember. Um, Jamie uh, did did the whole um, the little vignette thing for um, for Quantum Solace. Was all like, oh look, there's a there's a dog barking. There's a person ironing on their roof, or you know, it was just uh, uh, and there's someone in a big hat. It was it was uh, quite these cultural little vignettes that they put into. Um, um, quantum solace which were, were quite amusing and, and there's a dog thing. don't forget that yes it's funny you should mention that because I, when somebody says quantum solace to me i always think of the old lady in the jars of jam oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite part about quantum solace is genuinely the taxi ride where you've got like one guy giving you a piece of exposition in in another language and then also uh you've got um Mathis giving you another bit of exposition in the back of the car, and they kind of like overlap one another. And it's like they're trying to go, This is a horribly exposition heavy scene, but it's not just that, but you have to also read the subtitles. <laughs> it's like two bits of exposition at once, and like you can't really concentrate on either of them. Well, if you're going to make the shortest Bond film yeah, in history, you've got, to, you've got to be <laughs> quick with your exposition. <laughs> quick, quick with your exposition all at once. In, in, in different languages. I mean, that was the first film to introduce title cards, wasn't it? Am I right? And then Sam did it. Well, with custom fonts. With, with custom yeah. fonts. Oh, yeah. oh, right. Mean. So, David, you've been very patient. Um, are there any Connery films that you would like to smash it together with any other films um, to create? Oh, a... any... Okay, well, I, I think um, one that I'd like to improve a bit would be Dr. No. And the all I'd do to that, though, is get John Barry to score it because uh, the, uh, the soundtrack is a bit iffy, a lot of it. So, uh, you know, Three Blind Mice and stuff like that is, is pretty good, but uh, it, it's the soundtrack that lets it down. Jump Up is great. I love Jump Up. Yes. Yeah. 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 But, but you know what you, you know what you don't you know what you don't need four versions of it on the same. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't disagree with that, Ben. Jump, jump up and all, all that. All the Jamaican music's good, but the uh, basically the, 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 the kind of score, the back score. He, you know, David's right. And and here's the thing: the bits you like about it weren't composed by Monty Norman, were they? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Was any of it composed by Monty Norman? Oh, controversy. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst we're at it, we could maybe make it a bit more of an ambitious film. We could, uh... well, well, you know, give them another million dollars. Um, that that might help. But um... are you talking about the budget or Monty Norman? The budget, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> 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 
in the building. <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside joke that's a little bit of an inside joke because there was a lawsuit that went on um yeah but um electronic arts when they were doing the games because uh the lawsuit went down when they were doing the games they had to pay him you know seven figures to use the theme the theme bars in the games and it was more than he earned off the movies originally you know oh yeah so the, the video games made monty very rich well, also, as an aside, on the Dr. No uh, soundtrack, it's like two or three times, there's this thing that's called the James Bond theme, but it's not the James Bond theme. It's this... Yeah, I, I, was, I was listening yep. to it this morning. Yeah, it, it's, it's nothing nothing to do with the James Bond theme. I don't know why it's called the James Bond theme. I know. And it's like, you know, like the producer of the soundtrack, oh, I've got to like, i got to get 40 minutes out of this somehow. Oh, I'll just put this like two or three times. Another version of jump ups, or yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, so, and some of it's like uh, somebody's uh, got control of some electronic box with the knobs on the front and just twiddling <laughs> with them at random. It's... <laughs> but you're right. It, it, imagine if John Barry had actually scored the thing. Um, it would it would have been amazing. I, I mean, I, yeah. I I really I really like Doctor No as it is. Uh, you know. Right. Uh, we, we, we talked about, you, you, or you, you, Bill, were talking about um, the you know, some, some things we, with Bond and Quarrel, uh, which would be be better uh, cut out. But um, right. you know, uh, overall, it, it, but overall, it's it's the music that uh, that lets it down a, a bit. Uh, I mean, it still works for me. But, the underscore uh, is the weakest element of that film. It's like the photography is great. I mean, they did so much on an economy budget even in 1962 but yeah the the dramatic score it's just i mean the whole reason they played the real james bond theme is so so much is because peter hunt kept putting it in the film you know in the post-production process they just you know he kept re-editing and like oh bond goes to his hotel room do 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 <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think it, I think it was when he goes into the phone booth it was the most ludicrous. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, Bond has to go to the restroom, dude. <laughs> 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 and, 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 and seriously, you know, Barry sees the film. He's like gotten two hundred and fifty pounds or whatever. It's like those bloody buggers have like yeah. put my work all over this movie. Yeah, because I, I believe that he was told that it would only be used uh, in, the in the opening and well, it would, yeah, in the title and wouldn't be used uh, through, through the film. So, uh, uh, yeah, I imagine he was a bit pissed off with that. And meanwhile, if you ever see um, Call Me Buana, and I don't recommend that, uh, you can get an idea of like Monty Norman's ability as a, you know, doing dramatic scores. Um, it's not much, so. <laughs> <laughs> Please direct Monty Norman's lawyers. Please direct all your correspondence. This is covered by. This is covered this, by. This is the episode that didn't want you to hear. Is this going to be? Are we going to call this the Monty Norman Love episode? We're, we're going to call this yes. The, la the laser the laser disc commentary is all over here, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, that ne those never happened. We're just editing those completely out. Yeah. All right, gents, do you want to wing one more or do you want to move on to some Bond 25 news? Let's move on. I think we should, we should move along very swiftly and figure out all about that whole thing. We will, that we will, never happen. We will, um, we will count this as a failed experiment of setting homework. So to answer the, the, you know, the trope question, will it blend? 
the answer is no. Yeah. In fact, I, I was looking forward to Calvin being on this podcast because he he would be, be bound to blend uh, Moonraker with something. It would just be, end up with something ending up in space. Okay, if you had to blend Moonraker with something, what would you choose? Uh, <laughs> well, I got it with Die Another Day, which is appropriate since the first half of Die Another Day, Die Another Day is based on the Moonraker novel. That would be an appropriate mashup. Ah, now, yeah, that, Bill, that's, that's, a, that's a win. So there you go, Calvin, we did it for you. I'd rather the third act of Moonraker <laughs> than the third act of Die Another Day. I, I, I would say if we got Calvin on this, he would actually have done his homework and and because uh, he's he's very keen um, and not like diligent. not like me, yeah, diligent. Thank you. That's the word I'm saying. But not like a kind of a like doing his homework ten minutes before the class starts, which is always what I've done. So we've been seeing a little bit more about what's going on in Jamaica, not just uh, glam shots these days. Um, interesting move and something that I think is unprecedented in, in the world, but welcome to the social media age. Um, Carrie Fukunaga has been posting Instagram photographs every other day. So he's basically doing the paparazzi's job for him. Maybe this is like a deflection to try and minimize. Billy Magnuson has, has sent out some. Yeah. Uh, Ms. Lynch has sent out some. I mean, it's like it's becoming routine. Yeah, there, there, there's a ton of stuff. But I've got to say that Fukunaga hasn't put out anything for quite a few days now. Um, it's a week, so it's like they, they confiscated his iPhone. I would, I would hope so. No, because to start with, I, I, I thought, great, they, he's going to be doing something every day and it's, it's a different way to, to show what's going on behind the screens rather than the, the clapperboards that they did for the last two films. The clapperboard thing, I think, spectacularly backfired on them because I knew that was their I, – I thought their strategy on that was to show a little something but not give anything away. But, uh, you know, if you keep a little spreadsheet of all the scene numbers and locations, you can kind of put the movie together. So they kind of goofed on that one. People did that actually. They, I, don't, I couldn't think of who they possibly were, but <laughs> I think there's two of us on this call that did that. Yeah, and well, well, specifically because one of the no, it was one of the video blogs was uh, Dennis Gassner on Skyfall, and and there was this shot of him in his office with all the storyboards. But anyway, some people then like grabbed that and were able to like zoom in and saw that there were like additional scenes at the end and put together there was that scene in the movie where where Craig Bond comes into you know the 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 new old office that looked a lot like the office in the you know original films and so you know and they took it they compared it against the clapperboards like they found the the clapperboard with the highest number the most, you know, the last scene of the clapperboards, but there were like additional scenes after that and mm. they like figured it out. And so then when the first teaser trailer came out and I saw it was like Craig with M's office in the background, oh my God, they were right. And I knew that scene was from the end. You couldn't tell it from the trailer, but like, oh my God, that's right. And, you know, well, yeah, it yeah. backfired. That was also one of the scenes. Well, that's also one of the scenes that they rewrote and reshot 
It's it's interesting. Um, we're, we're talking about this uh, social media aspect of the, the, uh, going going from not allowed to show any anything to oh my god, they're just spilling it out. Um, and it's quite it's, and, and as, uh, as Bill says, you can pretty much piece together stuff now. I think for quantum, or I can't remember what it was. They had to, they had a few extras who were bloodied up. Um, and they posted a couple of their their pictures. Um, that was Skyfall think, because that was supposed that was to be the security Skyfall, detail yeah. got uh, dinged up in the MI six explosion, uh, and that was that was cut from the film. Uh, yeah. In a, in a year gone by, people would have had cease and desist orders slapped on them immediately, and it would have been docked pay yeah. and lots of stuff. And now it's like social media politics and marketing is the opposite of whatever delayed gratification. <laughs> I have a quick thought, though, about, you know, as, as these various stills have come out and some have been from the tabloids and some have been from other sources about watching them film. So the, the whole thing about spoilers and like for some people, those are spoilers. And it's like to me, they're not because you're not seeing the movie. You're seeing them film from a distance, in a totally different angle. And like we don't know if he's in character or not, you know, in some of these. I, I know some fans like consider them spoilers and they're very sensitive and I'm not going to insult them. But at the same time, the whole spoiler thing is kind of getting out of hand in my view. Um, I mean, people just, I know some fans who consider a plot summary from a press release to be a spoiler. And I said, it's a press release. Like they've put the, you know, the studio has put this out for general dissemination. That's a spoiler. So it's just, it's, it's also part of mm. like today's, media landscape where just you know the whole spoiler thing is just it's you go back and forth and it's just it's you know like i said some people consider these these stills where the actors are being filmed from uh shot from a distance and you can't is this a scene from the movie is it just a publicity thing they're filming you, you can't tell and just you know some people get really upset I think for the me- I think for the media coverage, you also have to know what you're looking at, right? To know whether it's a spoiler or not, because there are them pictures of them standing around having a chat, which isn't going to be in the film, right? Because they're standing around having a chat. Right. But there's also yeah. things to do with filmmaking, and I've been lucky enough to kind of work tangentially in the industry for a long time. You know when they're doing a, a setup for a shot, right? And the Sun had pictures of Craig in Jamaica, like, oh, he's alone or he's all by himself. Yeah, numbnuts. They're setting a shot up. So he is going to be on his own <laughs> yeah. while they set. The, and the guy's like literally adjusting the lighting in the background. He's like, what a loner. He's on by himself. He hasn't even, you know, it's like, right. And, well, and, you know, unless you want his yeah. assistant to be in the film, yes, he's going to be standing there by right. himself. And he's going to be alone until the assistant director comes and says, Daniel, we need you now. Right. Well, the <laughs> lighting's right. You can go take a break, mm. you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but it it doesn't fit the sun's narrative, does it? Do uh, no, and I, th- that was something I also wanted to bring up on this. I don't know what you guys feel about it. It seems to me that the press, who were not in the loop of the reveal day, have had nothing but piss and vinegar for this film as a, <laughs> as a retribution for not being included. That, that, that's that's got to be that's got to be a good sign because it was the same with Casino Royale. I mean, uh, Daniel Craig was just attacked throughout the filming, and you know, it was the blonde that he wore a, a life a vest when he went to the press. Couldn't conference, drive it. Couldn't um, drive the six ship. Couldn't drive. Yeah, and it's just like, come on, haven't, haven't you got something better to do? Yeah, but the the difference is, David. 
they were invited to that press conference. The, the, and what I'm saying is, I think because they've put the walls up on newspapers, I think. Newspapers, I don't think, have been, with the exception of Baz, I don't think there's been a newspaper invited to, any, to the reveal event. It's just been media properties. And I think all the other newspapers are just out for this because they've been shut off. Their spigot has been turned up. Well, and I did a post about this specifically. The Rupert Murdoch ones on both sides of the Atlantic have like attacked this film like almost immediately. And they've, you know, the if you look at the bylines, they're different people, but it's like the same talking points between the Sun and the New York Post. And they have about selfish Daniel Craig, blah, 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 blah. And just and it's, if you look at the stories you know, mm. between the Sun and the New York Post, they're very similar. And so mm. I did a post about, you know, Rupert Murdoch strikes again or something like that was the, the headline. And it's just it was just odd. I mean, the, both descended on the film like almost immediately and like almost at the same time. Side. All, all, all yeah. publicity is good publicity. <laughs> I so understand. I, I get that. Film as well. I understand. I come on. You're supposed to say there's no news like like bad news. Uh, like bad news. Yeah. Well, I did a tweet promoting my post. I said, "Oh, Rupert. Oh, what was it? Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch is having fun with his headlines." <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. Oh, I like that. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say in the grand tradition of predicting things. Um, Ben was talking about spearfishing last time. <laughs> and, and, and I said the first act is going to be an homage to Fleming's lifestyle, and here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Feeding cats, wearing heavy armors, yes. um, because Fleming famously wore heavy armors. Chomping on a cigar, eh, James? Yeah, I, 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 never, under, I, I never understood <laughs> that terminology. So you're not eating it, for God's sake. I was about to say, I've seen some fans, though, extrapolate that, oh, we're going to see Craig swim underwater in this movie. It's like, I wouldn't, maybe, but I wouldn't, like, say that's a certainty. Yeah. But, you know, people are, like, getting excited because, you know, I don't think you... There's a spear yeah, gun. because of yeah, a spear gun. So there yeah. must be an underwater sequence that's coming. I know it. Um, he's got a branding high power. I can tell you that. That's, that's about all I, all, all I got today when I was on my lunch break. <laughs> Just flipping through uh, some some social media images, I'm like, oh, he's uh, using a brownie. Great. Well, um, I also read that it'd been issued to intelligence personnel for forty years, so it's actually more accurate. Well, they they were the they were the original um, they were the original sidearm of the right. SAS. Uh, little ner little nerdy bit there for you guys. You see, well, that, that's why I come here. I, I learn the, these nuggets of information. Well, right, and there's also an insert shot in Dr. No where he supposedly um, supposedly has a Walther, but it's really a Browning. It's like insert shot. Yeah, and and not only that, though, but um, when he's shooting at the tank with uh, Coral, his Walther changes from uh, what is supposed to be a PPK, but is in fact a PP. It changes to a Colt 1911A1. Um, just for one shot for some unknown reason. Um, by the way, in case anyone was wondering, I am a bit of a gun nerd, so I do know this stuff. Don't tell Barbara. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, the only other thing I wanted to pluck at from the recent sort of uh, potential spoilers is we were all speculating about Madeline's involvement here and maybe she's a first act sort of like settled down at home and in mm. uh, Craig's golden eye. And 
we haven't seen much of her. We've seen a bit of Felix and we've seen a bit of Bond being a loner, but <laughs> Do you think do you think she's in a rocking chair doing some doing some knitting? James! James! That's the James! second time in forty five minutes that we've impersonated a woman in a poor fashion. <laughs> Uh, I, think the face, <laughs> I think she's not going to make the titles. <laughs> no, she won't even make it to Jamaica. She, they'll they'll bump her off in in Italy. I think. Yeah, there are these. There, there's this guy called. You know, he posts video under the name Haphazard Stuff. He said what one of the reporters should have asked her. You know, at the at the reveal. You know, after the reveal. Oh, Leia. Have you ever played a death scene before? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just right. The, the assumed knowledge question always tends to work mm. off guard, right? That's how Daniel. That's how we found out a day before Craig was cast. Ooh, which is well, a, story, a story. A story then. for another day. Story, story another day. I want to be on that podcast though. Uh, good times. Right, I'd just like to read the rumour um, um, a return to Scotland, potentially. That rumour has come out uh, in the week. You know, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I mean, it's, I, I saw that, that, that was like the end of last week, uh, somebody reported, it was like the Daily Record or somebody yeah. like that was <clears> saying it. And I, was, I was thinking, nah, they're just, they're just trying to uh, uh, grasp at straws to sell their newspaper yeah. with a bond I connection. Just, I, I just wonder if their source happened to work for the Scottish Tourism Board. Yes, mm. exactly. Right. You know what? You're probably right, David, but if it is true, it'll be like this. You have Madeline killed in the pre-titles, you have the titles, and then you have her funeral scene right after the titles, and that's in Scotland. Mm. And then five years later, and then oh, we're in Jamaica. You know, because I'm half Scottish, and I want to be buried, buried in France. I mean, I don't know how that works the other way around. But Bond got a good deal on the plot. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the, he got it cheap. The, so, so they need to rebuild the the uh, ruins of Skyfall in Surrey, wasn't it, Shot? and. Mm. Uh, so they're probably they, they're probably have they probably have enough plates to do that. But I mean, Scott, Scotland's been used before for like one scene in the Spy Love Me, right, where Bond is walking right. along with Freddie Gray with the subs. That's it. Right. It's in the scene. Yeah. It's in the film for thirty seconds. You know, it could right. it could be something like that. But the, yeah, so there there could be there could be um, Madeline Madeline's grave. Uh, Bond's there with flowers and. Uh, but we'll know where this goes after that. that. That that would be twice in the same film. They <laughs> <laughs> just cast her to be able to use a, use a picture of her. <laughs> he places by the grave. And she's right. actually in the film. And, and the tombstone would read, Madeline Swan, beloved wife of James Bond in two dates. Christoph Waltz comes back and uh, trying, to, trying to give away... <laughs> The uh, oh, what, what's, what's oh, I saw, I, I saw an, an actual meme that somebody made based on this, and it's like taking um, from for your eyes only, like they're dropping the Christoph Waltz blow fell down <laughs> the chimney, and he goes, like, okay, I think we need some new writers here, but I, I feel like Scotland's Scotland's 
not not going to happen. Um, I can, well, what I if can... what if they're using what if they're using Scotland but not as Scotland? That's well, doubling for Jamaica. Um, well, the, no, just doubling as somewhere that's that's not very sunny, right? Yeah, whatever. It's a bit um, chilly the, on, the, on the Blue Mountains, Ben. Yeah, that would make sense. Let's yeah. double. Let's double Scotland for let's 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 use Surrey for Scotland <laughs> and then Scotland for Jamaica. <laughs> and, and, and also with CGI, they could make it look like anywhere. They just happen to get a great deal for films in Scotland. <laughs> and they, take it, take it in post production. It looks anywhere in the world. Yeah. The the location we didn't talk about in the last time we covered the locations because we thought we were on short is there were reports from Greece that they were doing recons in Greece and talking to the local authorities there. But mm. how much of that was like the Greece tourism board? Yeah, maybe? but I, I I think maybe um, they went for Italy instead. I, yeah, I think that was a backup for the Madara sequence, given the architecture mm. they were talking about. It seems yeah. that makes sense. But you know, there is a story reason for the pre-credits being in Italy. I mean, if you haven't worked it out, if you listen to this by now, we're not going to spoil it, but it's pretty obvious why they're in Italy in the beginning with Madeline. And I think it's like, I, I don't know how many guys would do that anyway. So I think it's a it's a bit of a weird character. I don't know if it's in Bond's character to echo the start of Your Eyes Only, but also take your current squeeze with you. It's a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> Look, dear, I used to date her and here's her tombstone. <laughs> right. Slap. Uh, yeah, let's just let's just wait and see because I, I I wouldn't put anything past it at this at this juncture. Um, well, and just to sum up, I think it's safe to say from our standpoint, if Scotland is part of this, it's not going to be. It'll be like Scotland in the Spy Love Me. It's like it's not going to be a substantial part of the movie. Oh, a substantial part of the movie. Oh. Uh, <laughs> That wasn't intentional. <laughs> ben, 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 I think Ben, you might have won the podcast titling on us this the week. He did. <laughs> All right. Should we do some ask Bond questions? Have we had our fellow Bond twenty five yeah. for now? I think maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Apparently, a short podcast is a good podcast, so uh, we'll keep it under <laughs> an hour and a half this time. How'd, how'd that work out for Mark Forster? <laughs> and I would just, I just like to at this. If, if I can, just at this point, apologize for uh, ripping apart the last uh, question that we got. Uh, I, I got some feedback from that, um, basically saying, uh, thanks, for, thanks for destroying my question. And I was like, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> using, using, your, using, your, using your facts and, and logic. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's fine. That's what I do. Um, so apologies to Tom on that one. Anyway, go on. So, we, uh, Paul, if if it's going to be edited like Quantum of Solace, you need to make it very, very quick and unintelligible. <laughs> I'm working on the unintelligible, but you guys do the quick, okay? I thought we got it the other way around. You did the quick editing, and we just do the un unintelligible <laughs> stuff. The unintelligible bit's there for you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's all publishable, at least, and that's all we're aiming for. <laughs> exactly. All right. So because Barbara Broccoli and Eon in general are such fans of Daniel Craig, Michael Wilson may retire soon. Could or should Craig Ooh. stay on to executive produce or have a role in the creative team in some respect? No. Should? No. He should, he should not, no. but anything's possible. For football fans out there, that's like having Alex Ferguson retire and then have Alex Ferguson sitting in the stands while your new guy's out front. It's just not 
the shadow cast is is going to be too distracting. I'm 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 very against this. I really think that would be a bad idea because I think Daniel Craig is not a writer. He's not a director. He's an actor, and that's what he knows. And I don't think he knows all the other things, or he's not. He said so. He has said so many times, isn't he? Like certainly during the during the writer's strike, during Quantum, you know, he said, "Look, I'm not. I'm not a writer." And he was right. (laughs) Yeah, no, he he genuinely was. Um, And I think that the other the other issue with this is is that um, yes, when he is when he is shaping the but the as as an executive producer, he's helping to shape the character that he is portraying. Right. When it's when it's another actor coming in and giving it their take on that character, he shouldn't be influencing that world. That's if, for them to do. If they want to give him an executive producer title as an honorary thing where he's got the title, his he'll get his name in the in the credits, but he has nothing to do with the movie. If you want to go that way, fine, but he really should yeah. not uh, you know, he has not shown any ability beyond. You know, so he's acting. given an honorary title, but security's told not to let him anywhere near the set. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. The, I remember this. This may be completely false, but uh, when he was uh, being touted for for Bond before um, Casino Royale. Somebody said that they'd seen him on a tube reading Casino Royale paperback and then throwing it in a bin when he'd finished. Um, and uh, that's always kind of stuck with me. It's like, oh, done that, boom. Um, I mean, that, that might be completely rubbish, and it probably is, but it's always just kind of like stuck in my head. That, um, it's unbelievable Danny Craig takes the tube. I was going to say, speaking of credits, and this came up, you know, I, I thought about this last week because Roger Moore died again, according to Twitter. Um, <laughs> this week. I was sad again, um, too. But I, I you know, it, I was kind of like surprised by the number of people who, for that, was news, you know, um, when, it, when the algorithms popped it up again. But um, has enough time passed now where Eon might not do the in memory of Sir Roger on the credits? I think it's possible. For this one. I think it's possible. Remember when Goldeneye came out, they had a in memoriam for uh, Derek Meddings, who had died a short while yep. after the production, but there was nothing yep. for Richard Maybaum, nothing for um, the title designer. Um, yeah, I think the, the mm-hmm. difference might have been, Bill, that Meddings worked on that film, though. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. oh, that, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, but the other guys, you know, there had been a number of Bond-related deaths because, you know, of that six-year hiatus. And none of those guys got mentioned. And it's actually been, in my mind, will they give Roger Moore some kind of shout out? Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I don't assume they will. I would, I Bill, I would, I would, I would assume the same. I think time is, time has passed. Um, I don't think it's fresh in people's minds in the way that it, that it might've been. And I think it might just kind of confuse people. Eon did their thing with um, all of the screenings around the countries and around the world. In fact, so but then you've set the but then you've set a precedent, right? Right. Mm. And also, this is hypothetical. Obviously, what happens if Sean Connery dies between now and the time? Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, like yeah, we'll see.
Cuba. That's another location we haven't talked right. about. Mm. That's, pop, that's popped up as a potential. Well, and it would be natural for Jamaica. Cuba and Jamaica, possibly. Right, yeah. Too similar. Do you, you mean Cadiz? Well, that's, in fact, some of <laughs> right. the uh, photos that have been taken from Cuba have uh, suggested that's happening, but... Which, if it is happening, that kind of reflects uh, Purvis and Wade's continuing fascination with Cuba, since their first draft for the world is not enough, the world is not enough took place in Cuba, and then like that got changed. So then, when they did die another day, oh, we'll put Cuba in there too. So they they seem to like Cuba. It does. It does. I mean, if they if they do double Jamaica for Cuba, it doesn't mean that Bond's in Cuba. Not necessarily. Right? I mean, it could no. just be like the intro to one. Of, could be the intro to one of the characters yeah. of the villain. Like something right we right. don't know mm. yeah well, can't guess what character that would be though no if if, if you know if they cast an actress that was born there, <laughs> particularly one that has a mousy voice and, oh, what if i can say about the film our third woman impersonation for the podcast thanks guys is this is this the is this the podcast where we where we, yeah, exactly where we just <laughs> <laughs> Ali Karimbe, Ali Karimbe. I think so. Should we move on to another question? <laughs> um, all right. When mm. when they release Bond twenty five, what will be the marketing angle? Um, what do you think they will push towards? So they've we've been given some choices in the matter, but feel free to. Th- feel free to throw your own ones in as well. So it could potentially it's going to be the Craig's last hurrah, business as usual, a turning point for Bond and Eon, a return to Fleming's roots in the books. What sort of um, position are they going to be offering us? What sort of sales tactic? This time it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> this time it's personal yet again. Okay, again, again. This time it's still this time personal. It's not personal. Um, something along the Something along the lines, James Bond is still a dangerous person, or James, you still don't want to get on the bad side of James Bond, something like that. For a fan, that makes more sense, though. I think that, you know, from from our perspective, that's something that we would go like, yeah, 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 we want to see that. But I think for the majority of people, it's just going to be like, this is this is Craig's last hurrah, so get him getting what you can it's from a marketing perspective also if they went with what i said they could then try Mm. to get the aarp american association of retired people as a sponsor of the film Mm. (laughs) but uh (laughs) so like bond takes the uh, female lead whoever that bond takes the female lead whoever that is to dinner and says but james this is only four o'clock yes but i must get there before the prices change um <laughs> yeah, for go home by nine yeah. Eastenders or whatever. Maybe that's the title for our honored guests. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I, I wonder if they're gonna. I, I wonder if they're gonna. Um, it would. It would be good to angle on the retirement, right? Hang something off that. He may. He may be. He may be retired, but he's still dangerous. Retired and dangerous. Um, I just. I, I, I think that there are so many times in Bond films where he retires. It's actually quite interesting to see him actually retire. You know, he's, how many times does he put his record? Actually, this is a question. It's a genuine question because I'm not actually sure I know the answer. How many times has Bond well, handed let's, in Let's spitball it. First time was Majesty's, right? 
because yeah. Connery never quit. Right. The yeah, Connery never quit. Well, but, but then, but then the straight time. away, right? Yeah, he said, "Fuck you to Cubby Rockley, but he never quit in character." <laughs> yeah. So, so he quit for real, but he didn't quit on, on film. Lazenby quit for real, but but um, also quit on film. Um, then you then you've got, uh, I guess. Um, Roger takes a leave uh, of absence, doesn't he? To uh, man with the golden gun. He does. Which reminds me, this, yeah, yes. a real quick aside. Yeah. Uh, an earlier and, installment, people were talking about when Bond went rogue. And somebody said, Bond went rogue with the man with the golden gun. He's like, no, he didn't. That was like, you know, M fed him this thing that gave him the excuse. But for M, I mean, when Bond goes hunting Scaramanga, he's doing it with M's blessing. They just pretend, wink, wink. It's not, but he, you know, he is. And also in Thunderball, he, he didn't go rogue. He talks M into letting him go to the Bahamas instead of Canada. So it's right. not really being rogue. It's just Bond is actually going through channels. No, I absolutely agree. Yeah, Bond, Bond actually says, well, I, I respect yeah. you giving me this, but I think you're wrong. And I'm, I reckon I'll be and more effective if you put me here. And he shows he's him not, the evidence. He shows him the yeah. stills. And he says, on, and I saw this man last yeah. night Shrublands. And that, that's all M needs. And like the, the military guy yeah. says, well, I don't know. Well, and then M says, well, if uh, 007 says he saw yeah. you know him at Shrublands, that's enough for me to initiate inquiries. And, 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 and he was dead. Right, yeah. <laughs> And and he was wearing a red shirt. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, I just that was a podcast I wasn't on, and I've been thinking about it. So there you go. <laughs> no. I, I, so anyway, so anyway, so Connery and character Connery's right. Bond never quit. Mm. Lazenby's did resign. Well, he offered his resignation, but he never got to, well, yeah. you know, never got executed. Right. Yeah. More we could say for the moment, Gone Gun was technically on the leave of absence. Technically, yeah, it's, that, a, it's, right? a, it's so, a leave of it's, it's a leave of absence. So he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't on. And also for a moment, and right? also yeah. for so a that, moment, uh, Morris Bond acted like he was ready to quit, and then M says, "I'll re, you know, I'll endorse your thing to resign." And then, but, or you could take a leave of absence and that's how they set up, you know, him, you know, yeah. that, that's how they set it up. But, you know, by his body language, he was ready to quit if he didn't get the chance to go after Scaramanga. In, in, in Never Say Never Again, does he get, does he get, he, he gets put on, uh, again, he gets put on a leave of absence. I know it's not He definitely, he definitely, had, qu- he had definitely like retired at the end of uh, Never Say Never Again because, you know, the one guy comes, oh, Mr. Bond, we need you back. And just, it was pretty, I mean, it's pretty clear to me that he had quit. He was, he was done once the, the mission was over. So more, yeah, yeah leave of absence, right? Dalton, right. obviously, you know, still back. Unlike, unlike our, some of our defense uh, secretaries, uh, he's still banned right. by the Official Secrets Act. Yeah. Um, when he retires, that's topical humor <laughs> for the UK there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brosnan. Brosnan obviously um, is out right. in Dine of the Day, right? Yeah. And Craig is out. Let's count. Um, <laughs> Casino Royale. Quantum. Quantum is he in or out? Well, he, he's, yeah, he's arguably argue. out at the end. Uh, right. You know, toward the end of Casino, he like hasn't gotten around to giving his yep. resignation, and but then M calls him. No, he, he, no, he sends, he, he sends the yeah. email. He sends yes, the email. Yeah. So, so he, he's yeah. quit. So I'm, I'm afraid, uh, and then he goes right. on holiday. So yeah. yeah, he quit. 
And then in Skyfall, he's obviously not an active service. And um, at the end of Spectre, he's cons- well. You can read between the lines that he's retired. So well, also, also with Skyfall, I like I get into this with people. I said he's a des- he's a deserter, and they just, he's not a deserter. I said he leaves. He's like, well, he was he had good reason to be mad. He got shot. Yeah, but he still deserted. And it's like, but apparently MI six has a very very lenient uh, policy when it comes to desertion. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like this, this is a good. This is a good point, Bill. He didn't. This, so this is an interesting thing because we've got we've got several aspects here, which is like, uh, are you on active service? Have you retired? Uh, with Skyfall, he definitely just goes. Ah, they they think I'm dead. I'm, I'm just yeah. gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna just take some time, and that's but, definite. Definitely deserves. <laughs> yeah, because that's you know, tough. after after when that movie came out, shortly after, I did a post. It was like 007 best things to ignore about Skyfall, and it's like one, you know, one of them was Bond's a deserter, and like some people like giving me crap about that. No, he's not a deserter. It's like yes, he is. It's like well, you know, oh, he had good reason to he, be mad. It's like it doesn't matter. He still deserted. It's like you know, it's like Ra- like, Ray Fiennes like sort of mentions it. On. Why do you come back? Yep. Like, why not stay yeah. there? Yeah. Why not stay there? Yeah. 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 Well, I yeah. mean, this this is the other thing too. It's like when he pulled himself out of the water and he goes, "Hey, I'm alive. I should <laughs> probably call my work." Right. You know, like he, <laughs> I should probably just let them know I'm okay. Nah, fuck it. Um, yeah, he makes go. a beeline to the gonna... island or wherever he went, and yeah. you know, I'm going to shack up with yeah, this woman and drink Heineken. Just think about it. Money, money, Penny must have been going through a terrible period because she thought that she 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 um, killed, she him. Thought that right. killed Kill James him. Bond. So she must have had uh, psychological counselling and everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? The other thing is, um, MI6. It was probably like a booper nurse got his voicemail five days in a row. And like, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> Is that <laughs> by the way, yeah, no, he's not responding. By the way, are you are you fit to come into work today? Voicemail five days in a row. That's it. He's a god. By the way, one quick aside. One other point I said about things best to ignore about Skyfall is like, based on the height he fell from, he probably died as he fell at least as far as Zorin did at the end of a few to a kill. And people were like giving me complaints about that. I was like trying to present this in a, like a lighthearted, yeah. fun and way. And he'd been shot twice. And like. And it'd been shot twice, yeah. whereas Zorin hadn't yes. been shot twice. And I looked it up because someone was complaining about this. And I looked it up. Something like 2% of everyone who's fallen from, from the Golden Gate Bridge oh, yeah. has survived. So it's like... Do you know what, Bill? Funny story. When we were talking to EA, when they're in the pre-concept stage of Everything or Nothing, the idea was that the villain was going to be like the son of Max Zorin in that okay. movie, right? Which And then it, and it, it's in that game. And then it turned into like, oh, he was his protege or something when William Defoe got the role, right? Because he was too old. Their whole, the whole thing they hung that off was, well, you never see him die and 2% of people survive. <laughs> they hung the conceit of that game concept on that statistic that you just mentioned. Oh my God. Okay. I believe Hashtag it. Hashtag Zoran lives. <laughs> James, you had some follow-up very briefly about how long it takes to sell MI6 to sell so his Sky, Skyfall, we talked, yeah, we talked about Skyfall, like how long is it before they assume he's dead? And I was joking, like a booper nurse probably called him into work five times. But <laughs> in the film, we forgot, we forgot this. In the film, uh, Mallory says to M, it's been three months since you lost the drive. Oh. So three months is the answer to the question. Mm. And that's how long takes place between Bond getting shot and Bond popping up in M's apartment is three months. So somewhere between. Five days of a booper nurse and three months, they'll sell your shit. Yeah. 
Well, that that makes sort of sense to me. Has anyone actually ever tried to sell a flat before? Because it well, takes in ages. in London, you can do it in three months. If it's a big house in the middle of Scotland, apparently it takes longer because it's still there. Mm. They didn't, you know. I'm assuming Bond inherits that house when his parents die. Mm. Who's paying? Who's well, paying the groundskeeper to stay there? Why is he still there if he thinks that the only person that owns the house is now also dead? Well, he had to look after the dog. <laughs> Why is Kincaid still there three months later? Why is Kincaid because still there? Because he's so convinced James survived. <laughs> well, there's a there's a single gun left to polish, right. so uh, yes, he has polish to go every day. Polish that gun every day. Every single day and, to go in and make sure that And that's another thing I realized when watching it recently is Kincaid must walk because there's no other vehicles, right, in that estate <laughs> to be seen. Yeah. So he's got a bloody long walk to the front gate to pick up the milk in the morning every day. No, Kincaid is I was about to say, as fast as he walks, the milk might be spoiled by the time he gets there. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> Yeah, the good the good thing about Scotland is it's always cold though, Bill. So oh, okay, yeah. that preserves it. <laughs> no spoiled milk for Scotland. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a cow out back. <laughs> That's why King Kate's there. He's got a milk for cow every day. Just in case. This gives me a this gives me a for, for my cow. life. I milk the cow. <laughs> <laughs> and polish the guy and the milk the cow. That's right. He's got a notebook. Things no to do today. no wonder he's so happy to see him back. That's right. Kincaid's notebook. Things to do today. One, milk the cow. Two, <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, I can understand selling the London flat in three months. That makes sort of logistical sense. Um, but in, in today's sort of selling market, like, can you imagine trying to get people to come around and view the, the Skyfall estate? And uh, in, in well, obviously somebody's gone and sold it. Uh, they've sold it to that American people. No, they? no, no. The gun, the um, gun collection went to Idaho. The gun collection. He's just turned up and went. I don't really like the house, but can I have all the guns? Except for that one. <laughs> but not that one. one shotgun. <laughs> I want all the guns except the one shotgun. <laughs> All of them, but not that, not the really expensive like one. And and anybody who anybody who knows the gun laws in the UK, even if you're a farmer, that is not an approved way <laughs> of storing your guns in the UK. And the fact that they could like ship them to the US, um, um, yeah, anyway, it's a good joke, but it's it doesn't hold up. Well, I think a lot of things don't hold up. <laughs> a good joke right. that doesn't hold up. That is the subtitle to James Bond and Friends this week. <laughs> well, here's the thing. But here's the other thing. You could still have all the guns there, but no ammo, and that would also work as a plot line for why they can't use the guns. But I guess selling them to a gun nut in Idaho is a better joke. Also, that would required research. Well, so maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. So wouldn't it be great though if they went if they opened it up and they like this great reveal of all of the guns and James is like fantastic. We are. We're set on this siege thing. And they went, yeah, but we've only got like five right. rounds. That would be brilliant. Yeah. For me, the whole Kincaid thing, I mean, um, obviously it's it's uh, very sad that, uh, that Albert Finney has, has, has passed, but um, it, it, it never sat right with me, that character. Um, basically, doesn't do anything. Um, at, at the end, he just sort of, he's sheepishly in the corner in the church. 
Um, and we all know that he's supposed to be Sean Connery, which just never, never sat well with me. Yeah, I, I just, I just felt like it was one of those things that, are, that, that during production, in the in the reading rooms, they should have just gone. Do we need? Do we need this character? Does this make any sense? They should have just excised it. Right. Uh, if James Bond do Home Alone, then he needs to actually be Home Alone, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. It just it just never sat right. But as you say, James, why why is he even there? Right. Um, it just makes no sense that he's even there. There's no. He's he's basically like Alfred the Butler. After when Bruce uh, Bruce Wayne's been away for a long time, and it's like. Alfred, leave. Like, he's not coming back. No, I, I know he's coming back. And it's just, he's there apparently on his own volition. I know James is coming yeah. back. It's, it's whatever. Why, why do we fool Master Bond? <laughs> well, also, you know, he, you know, the house apparently has its own bat cave, you know, that tunnel. I mean, it's plausible that if he's lived with the family all of his life and worked with them and known nothing else, then uh, the outside world and leaving the house looks right. like a pretty scary proposition. He probably has property for life, which is more than I can say for myself. There you go. It's like he, lucky he has the cow. <laughs> I was about to say, it's a pretty good life. You know, you milk a cow, you clean a gun every day. It's like, it, it, could, it, it, it could be worse. All right, so hang on, just yeah, time out for a sec. So if if you know Bond's an only child and his parents died when he was a kid, mm. that he's been living yeah. in that house by himself for thirty plus years. At yeah. least, at least, <laughs> yeah. He, he's he's just and, and has done no dusting whatsoever. <laughs> a man after my own heart. <laughs> he, he's also become hard of hearing. You know, Bond says M, and he hears Emma. <laughs> I thought, cute, I thought it was a cute joke. That it's one. fine. No, it's I, fine. Actually, do you know? Do you know what? I have to say, one of the things I really, I love that joke. I think that really works. It really does it, work. It's fine. I'm just de, de you know, as long as we're <laughs> deconstructing this, you know, let's throw, throw that in. I'm glad that with all of with all this Bond 25 news that's going on, this is what we're doing. Right. What's, what's Kincaid been doing for 30 years <laughs> by himself? Well, well wait. Bond 25, Bond 25 news in quotation marks at the moment, but okay. I feel like we've comprehensively asked, answered the question about um, how to market Bond 25 with, um, yeah. with uh, so what we need to do is we need to put some Kincaid posters up around the city for <laughs> Bond 25. What is Kincaid doing now? Is he still milking that cow? No, he's dead. He's he's uh. Why is he dead? Why why is he dead? Because because the actor who played him is dead. That's why. (laughs) Well, sorry. So so is so he's so he's out of the picture. Although, if they ever do an expanded James Bond film universe like a Kincaid film, they they'll have to recast the part. But son of Kincaid, watch watch Kincaid on his new life. Can we can we chain up Jinx and Kincaid together in a you know, <laughs> like a that would be that would be fantastic. Jinx please, and Kincaid. Please no. <laughs> Come on, you'd watch it. You know you would. I think that's like a thirty-minute series on next Netflix. Actually, this is this is next week's homework, guys. Rather than mashing up a movie, we've got to take peripheral characters from from disparate Bond films and put them together and give them their own spin-offs. 
young King Cade, the story of how King Cade became the man he is in title. <laughs> that's what that's what they're doing with Alfred the Butler. There's they're coming out with a new Alfred series, like no, on, on Netflix or something. It's like something like that. I love the fact that David is just just like taking the piss out of this, but you, and then you're going, no, no, they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> M- MGM's doing it. In fact, well, that's shocker, one of the things they talk about all. on that investor call. They, they've got tons of money to throw. Shock <laughs> and awe that MGM's spinning off a, a <laughs> periphery character in an old franchise. <laughs> I swear to God, oh, if the God. animated Pink Panther wasn't wearing boxing gloves running down the steps, I mean, I don't know. You know, wait a minute. I thought about this after that podcast. When when the Pink Panther had the animated TV show, you know, the format was it was a half hour show. They'd show like two Pink Panther sh- cartoons. And in the middle, they had like different cartoons. And they had one was called the Ant and the Aardvark. Another right. was called the Inspector, yep. who was like a sort of Inspector Clouseau, but they didn't call him that. So it's like, yeah, you could, you could do the expanded Pink Panther universe where the Pink Panther meets the Ant and the Aardvark and the Inspector and God knows what else. So. You see, if only MGM and Kevin McClory had a teamed up, what they could have achieved. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't doesn't bad thinking about <laughs> you know, like like in some James Bond movie there's a there's a cab driver, right? right. So it's like at, at this stage, we'll do a movie about the cab driver who took James Bond to the airport. <laughs> or, oh. the, the guy that's complaining about his his, um, his mother not getting enough water or right. something. That's yeah. that's uh let's, let's look at him. He's a really interesting guy. <laughs> or at least I want to know his backstory. Or at least we can get ten episodes on Netflix out of it. The yeah. story of how he got his taxi driver's license. <laughs> yeah, he studied hard. I want to know the the, the concierge of the sh- of the flea flea ridden hotel that they first go into. <laughs> um, when he goes, oh no, we're, we're teaching some sabbatical. What's his story? What's when, how did he get into that? Did, did he fall from grace? Was he once an amazing concierge at a really great or, hotel? Or did he have a fall but from just, grace? <laughs> he, he, like, he was a great concierge, yeah. and then something happened. He got a drinking problem, and he, like, lost his job. Yeah, but now he's he, coming back. <laughs> he's got to work his way up from the bottom again. Yeah. I, I think teach, Teachers on Sabbatical is, uh, is, is, a, is a show I'd like to see. It does, uh, it does sound like a shitty, a shitty porn film, but <laughs> Teachers <laughs> Like from the seventies, teach sons of that. Yeah, yeah. No. that whole capture or kill order that went out on him in Quantum Solace lasted about fifteen seconds as well. It was quite amusing, but you know, it, it was just a kind of like you know, but like ordinarily like that would be a plot of an entire movie, and then they went, yeah, capture or kill him, and then they went, oh, actually done. I was impressed they got that many people to Bolivia that quickly. <laughs> Well, don't 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 you know that Virgin Atlantic fly there direct so. with a full bar, <laughs> it's a plane, right? And a wide-bodied seven forty-seven. How many passengers on this plane? Oh, three, four. <laughs> Which is not for move. Um, anyway, <laughs> you have to buy the bartender especially to do James Bond's cocktail because your average your average flight attendant probably wouldn't know what to do. 
They, but Virgin Atlantic is so good, they'll even equip the bar with a, with a drink that doesn't exist. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, you you want uh, you want something that's not been in production for thirty years? Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll throw that into the bar. <laughs> Moving on, I think we're going to just wrap it up. Oh, this, uh, I would say one last item of business because this is a quick one. Mm. Well, let's try and make it All quick. Right. It's kids in, the bon- kids in the Bond films. We mentioned this before. Kids with lines, the dialogue with Bond. And we were scratching our heads that there isn't anything other than the kid on the boat and the man with the golden gun. Oh, yeah. So some, some listener correspondence. Somebody pointed out to me, well, how old are his nieces at the karate school? 15. Mm. The actress was 15. Yeah. Do they can so they can I've got a lot then, of issues around this, right? A lot of issues around this. Because one, they're in Thailand, right? So yep. then their nieces who are Chinese nieces, right? Like so so Lieutenant Yip. Is it Yip? Lieutenant Yip. Yes, it's Yip. He's he's yep, Chinese. No, it's Hip, H I P. Oh, it's Hip. So so yeah. it's like they're in Thailand. Lieutenant Hip's nieces are are Chinese and they're doing karate. Am I uh, at fifteen? At fifteen. Am I? Uh, are we mixing up quite a few um, Asian stereotypes here? Because I'm, I'm, yeah, but I'm feeling like maybe those things, like maybe those countries are like quite different countries with different cultures, um, and it would be quite interesting to see, uh, you know, like them say. Yeah, well, why would why would they not do kung fu as opposed to karate, and why would they be in Thailand as opposed? Why is high fat right uh, a a Chinese uh, gangster? Why is his base of operations in Thailand? He's, he's not it's a gangster. No I don't have He's not a gangster. He's an industrialist. Well, okay, whatever he is, he's a villain. Like, yeah. he's, a, he's a tech villain. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> why is he? Why is he in Thailand? That makes no sense. And why has he got why well, has he got sumo wrestlers as his bodyguards? Well, that makes no and, sense. Well, and here's the other thing that going back to the original question: Why are the only three characters we've been able to recognise that are <laughs> under eighteen that talk to Bond all in the same film? <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, that's true. Maybaum and Magwood had something going, I guess. How old is BB supposed to be? She's over eighteen. She, she wouldn't be allowed to. Uh, she wouldn't be she's able to like, She's like barely 18. She's like 18 or 19. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know how the act how old the actress was, but you know, she you know, but yeah. Well, this is it. Who is she who is she who is she playing? She's playing and I always thought she was playing like an 18. That's what I would call. Yeah. And you know, hence the whole ice cream, etc. Well, you you weren't on that one, but but there was it was something we we tripped upon and realised that it was actually a pretty interesting question. And by the way, Lynn Holly Johnson was twenty three when she made Pure Horizon. Yeah, playing eighteen year old. Playing eighteen year old. Yes, and as yeah, so I just want to throw that out there as a challenge to anybody listening to come up with somebody that's not in the Man with the Golden Gun that's under eighteen that talks to Bond. All right, thanks guys. I appreciate you coming out and uh, entertaining me with some of your. Some of your least prepared homework and some of your best created titles. Well, thanks for indulging us. It was my, my pleasure to not do any of the work that you signed. Absolutely. Me. You know, when I agreed to host a podcast, I didn't think I would be speculating about Kincaid's origin story. So, well, you know, you'll, you'll rumble through a few different 
challenges in life and I think we have overcome and we might have a podcast after this after some serious <laughs> editing and that leaves me to thank I think Ben Williams James Page, Bill Koenig and David Lee for joining me uh, and as a punishment we're not going to tell each other where we come from because you've heard us all before so tune in uh, next week and we will uh, catch up with you all then you can like subscribe, rate, no don't actually because that might turn out badly um, us on the internet <laughs> And you can find um, all of us on the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Tumblers, the Reddits too. Take care, everyone, and we'll speak to you next week. Cheers, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. What's the Tumblers?